Welcome to Grace Messianic's weekly podcast. My name is Aaron Binge, and I am going to be teaching on what I like to call learning the Hebrew roots of our Christian faith. Grace Messianic is located halfway between Crawfordsville and Waynetown on State Road 136. We believe that as believers in Jesus, whom you'll hear me refer to as Yeshua sometimes, we have an obligation to be obedient to God's instruction. In Hebrew, that word for instruction is Torah. What believer in his or her right mind would not want to be obedient to our Heavenly Father's instruction? Of course we all want that. Our goal at Grace Messianic is to get to know the Hebrew roots of our Christian faith because the truth of the matter is our faith is rooted in Israel. Our Messiah is an Israeli Jew. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to come back one day and rule and reign from the throne of David from Jerusalem. So come with us each week as we go through God's Word, as we learn the history and we learn the context from which it was written. I want to let it be known that we fully believe that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works lest we should boast. We believe the words of Paul when Paul says, If you so much as confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. We believe that there's no other name under heaven by which man is saved but the name of Jesus. We believe that there is not one law we can perform that will get us saved. We believe that we are no more saved than the next Christian. But we also believe that because we are saved, we want to be obedient to our Father's teaching. And that's what this is all about, is learning our Father's teaching, which is His Torah. So we ask that you come with us as we graciously, cautiously, and lovingly walk that path. Like Jeremiah said, that you dig up those ancient paths and walk on them. We pray that you would come with us. And we ask, Father, in your name, in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you would bless this teaching and that you'd bless this ministry, bless this podcast as we set out to learn the Hebrew roots of our Christian faith. We ask that you'd be in it, Father, because if you're not in it, if your spirit isn't leading it, Lord, we don't want to have any part of it. So we just hand it over to you and we ask it all in the mighty name of our salvation, Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. Mem is the 13th letter. So first off, we're going to start with these, these seven, which are representative of our walk in faith, okay? So hate is the number eight. You guys remember that? What's hate represent? Life. 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 Huh? Do what? Or sin. That's this one here. Hate. <laughs> Hate's life. Hate is... Hate which in English, that's kind of an oxymoron in it. The word hate represents life. Hate is, if you see, actually, if you go on... Yeah, and love the Lord. If, we go, if you go on eBay, though, and you look at, at uh, any Judaica sites that have Jewish uh, jewelry, you'll see this. There's all these necklaces that'll, that they've got those two letters, hate and yod. And that's... To life. That's Chaim. That's the word life. To life. So the beginning of our, of our eight letters here, representative of our walk in the Spirit with Him, start with the new life. And the very next one is what, what Chris was talking about, is Tate, which represents death, or a serpent. And it's death to ourselves. Which makes sense. As believers, it makes sense. We've got this brand new life. Remember it says the world, they look at us and they think it's foolish. We've got a brand new life. I'm, I'm alive from the dead. Now I'm supposed to die to myself. I found Jesus. Now I'm supposed to search for him. There's all these oxymorons. Um, so we're alive in him. Remember how the Torah scrolls write that letter? Remember this one's the same letter, the same letter upside down. Hate is that turned upside down. It's a Zion and a Vav. The Vav's bound down to it. Remember that? I think this is two Zions. Two Zions next to each other. Remember that's the Zion's the sword of the Spirit. And that's the man that's equipped with the sword of the Spirit. That's me walking with my Messiah. Equally yoked. 
equally yoked. He's our brother. He's the firstborn among many brethren. He, remember he said, he said, you guys are my friends. You're my brothers. Right? He's the firstborn among many brethren. So the Tate is death to self or a snake. And we talked about the duality of the Tate that can, it can, uh, in the wilderness, the snakes were killing people. The snakes were biting and killing people. So Moses held up the bronze snake. There's a duality there, and if they looked at the snake, they were they would live. So they, it's obviously a picture of our Messiah. He became sin for us. He's life for us. Sin is death. He died for us. Yod, the number ten. Yod represents what? The hand of God, man. And we want that hand of God in our life. Way back in in. Uh, in the first group of sevens, we had the letter Hey. Remember, Hey looked like a pious symbol, kind of. And in the Torah scrolls, it's got an upside down yod. So it's, it looks like that right there. So it's a dalit with an upside down yod. It's the impoverished man with the hand of God coming in and dwelling in his life. Right? That's us. That's a picture of the gospel. So the yod equals hand. It's, it's the... The hand of God, and there's, we talked about there's big yodes in there, and there's a couple little yodes, or there's one big one and one little one that are written different than the rest. And, and uh, we talked about we want his hand. It's our choice to have his hand show mightily in our lives or to show tiny in our lives. We want his hand to, to show mighty in our lives, right? Okay, this one here, what's this? Kaf, which is number 11, right? 20. Number 20. Very good. Kaf is, the root word of Kaf is, is covering. Kippur, uh, Kippurim. Yom, Yom Kippur is the day of covering, the day of atonement. Uh, a Yarmulke, a Kippah, is a Kaf turned on, it's turned that way. It's a covering, right? So this, this covering... You remember, okay, that's number 20. Kof covering the, uh, the very next letter. Wait, what did Kof represent? What, what's that word mean in Hebrew? Palm or spoon. It means the work of our hands. That which we do as a new believer walking in the Spirit. So what was Lamed? Yeah, what's Lamed mean? King of Kings. It's viewed as the king of kings, and it's, a, it's high above all the rest. And it's special in that in the Torah scrolls, it is. Remember, it's a kaf with a vav. Remember what the vav is? That's that man. It's got the vav right at the top. It looks like a flame. Remember we said that the, the works which we do as we walk in faith and walk out our good works. Remember it says that he's laid them out before us. We're... we're these good deeds. Uh, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why? Because he's the one that gave the good deeds. The mitzvot. This is like, this is the same thing as saying your good deeds give platform to his light to shine and be seen in your life. Okay? Do you notice what's going on here? If that's a cough with a valve on top of it, do you see what's going on with this one? With our letter today? With the men? Vav right next to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's a cough. That's that same letter. Only instead of the valve on top of it, this time the valve is right next to it. The Bible is right next to it this time. And that's the way it's written in the, in the Hebrews, in the Torah scrolls. The Kaf is right there and then Bob is right next to it. Um, same thing when you get to Tet. It really is a Zayin right next to a Vav. You can tell that that's what they are. Anyway, back to, back to this one. Its numerical value is 40. Mem is 40. Okay. To spell Mem... Mim is the second letter that we've come to that has an uh, alternate spelling at the end of the word. Remember what the first one is? No one? No takers? It's the cough. 
Remember what it looks like at the end of a word? The cough at the end of a word. There it is at the beginning or in the middle of a word. At the end, it looks like a real tall dalit. Right? Like it shows you to the door. The uh, mem, this is the first. The way you spell mem is mem yod mem. Right? So that's what that is. That's the first mem. That's what a regular mem looks like. It's got the, an opening right here. There's a gap. And mem at the end of a word is a closed, it's a closed mem, and it looks like a square, okay? Betwixt the two here is a yod. <laughs> so it's mem, yod, mem. That's how you spell mem. So mem itself is a shortened form of the word for water. Remember how you say that? Remember how to say living water? Mayim Chaim, the living water. Okay, here we go. The sages say, these two forms, they say that this one here represents Moses. This one here represents Messiah. Okay? Because the sages, when they wrote this, Moses, they had Moses. This right here, there's, there's a closed and there's an open. I'm going to read this for you. It has two forms, an open and a closed form. The, the open form is Pesucha. is said to represent the revealed truth of God. That's this one here. That represents the revealed truth of God. See where that'd be like Messiah? Uh, whereas the closed form, Stuma or Stuma, is said to represent the concealed truth of God. I've got those backwards. He's saying that that's Moses and vice versa. But I'll show you something. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Right? Remember that? We've heard this one a lot lately. Kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer need a tutor. You guys remember doing the study and Bible study as to what a tutor meant? It's the one that brought you to the class yeah. safely. Yeah. Okay? So, this is guarding. That's like Moses in that it's guarding you. It's protecting you. It's got a closed gate. Okay? With me so far? 3.23. Then in John 10... And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers. Do you remember that? He says he's the good sheep or the good shepherd. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. And this right here is said to be like a sheepfold where we come in and out of. Right? The revealed, the revelation, the revealed truth of God um, go back to the front page I, I printed that out kind of out of whack there so again back with the the oxymorons here the paradoxes I guess he hides himself from us right they I said something the other day that I didn't realize how profound it was until I said it but that is that I know that I know that he works, he does mighty things when we least expect it. I just wish I knew when to least expect it. <laughs> I'm not expecting it right now. I wish I knew when to not expect it. He, he, why does he hide himself? So we'll keep looking. He, can we ever come to the end of his awesomeness, his wisdom? We'll never come to the end of it. That's why he hides himself. He hides himself so we'll find him. Just like a dad playing peekaboo with a little kid. Um, dad's all around, you know. All he has to do is look. <laughs> Listen to this in Daniel. It's Daniel chapter 20. I actually printed this out and put it in my, my sidur. Daniel 2.20 says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. 
He knows what is in the darkness. That's our God. And light dwells with him. He knows what's in the darkness. And light dwells in him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. All right? God's not a respecter person, so we know he'll do that for us. So I'm preaching to myself. I'm asking God for answers, and I don't feel like I'm getting any answers, so i got to keep reminding myself of these passages. Um, Proverbs 25.2 says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek that matter out. It's the glory of kings to seek that matter out. We get to, I don't know about you guys, but I get to thinking, why did he hide it in the first place? Maybe that's the answer, because it's the glory of kings to seek it out. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. So he does hide things. He requires us to look for him. Go to Colossians 1.26. Because this mystery, there's, there's all these mysteries, these hidden things and revealed things. and You notice every time there's a mystery in the New Testament, it's always explained what the mystery is. He doesn't leave you hanging. You guys know that? If, if ever there's a qu- question that you can't answer and somebody says, well, it's because it's a mystery. There are mysteries, but the mysteries in the New Testament, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, every one of them comes with an answer to what the mystery is. Right? Like the mystery of... Uh, anyway, anyway, here. You guys at Colossians 1.26? The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them, who, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of His glory, or of the glory of His... This mystery among the Gentiles. What's the mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? That is the mystery. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.6 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak wisdom of glory in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The mystery... Those mysteries, some of them aren't supposed to be known. You know, if they had realized the mystery, he wouldn't have been crucified and we wouldn't have a Savior today, right? There's other things that are going to be revealed. Daniel, there's, there's things that Daniel talks about that are going to, it says, will be re- locked up until the last days. They'll remain sealed until the last days. Um, mem. Okay, back to Mem. So this Mem where... where Back where Tate had a duality about it, so does Mim. It's got a duality about it. It's got a, it's got a concealment and it's got a revelation aspect to it. And there's a, this doesn't have anything to do with either one of those. But the sages, <laughs> rabbis, modern rabbis, I'm assuming, notice, notice something about this word here. You guys know what the chemical compound of water is? H2O, right? So if you take, here's how you spell mem. This is just an observation. It's mem, yod, mem. They said, man, that's really interesting because that's water. It's, a, it's really similar to the, there's no coincidence in that, even in something like that. You see what I'm talking about? There's two and then the one. But check this out. You guys remember the story of the uh, of Moses striking the rock? <laughs> Man, oh my goodness! God said, "Speak to it," and Moses struck it. How many times did he strike it? Twice. Twice. Check this out. Man, this is something else. I'll have to write it out here. I've never heard this before. All right. The word for rock that's used in that passage where he, where he says to strike the rock or to speak to the rock is Selah. And the word Selah is, is Selah, it is like this. Simach, 
is what this, we haven't got to that letter yet, but we will. Lamed Ayin. Looks like a Y. Okay. Samach Lamed Ayin. That's the word for stone or the word for rock. He says, speak to the rock and water will come forth from it, right? This is something that the rabbis, this is all Talmudic, so. If you spell out the word for rock, so this is Samech, right? Samech is, is Samech, Mim, right? And then a long cough, okay? I'm just spelling out the, I'm spelling out the words that make up the word rock. You see what I'm saying? Spelling out the letters. So Lamed is Lamed, Mem, Mem again. <laughs> you can see that. And there's that cough again. And then Ayin, is Ayin right here, Yod. And then a long noon. Okay. So the rabbis, this is cool. He struck him twice, right? Struck the rock twice. We know that the rock is representative of our, our Messiah, right? What's the spirit, rep or the, <laughs> I just told you, the water is representative of the spirit, correct? Okay. Watch this. Okay, so you guys see what we have here. Now the rabbis say, you see, Moses strikes it once. These letters fell right off the rock. Right? Moses strikes it again. Bam. You see what we're left with? We're left with water. From the rock, he strikes it twice and you're left with water. <laughs> isn't that, a, that's kind of an odd one too, isn't it? Remember I said back in like the third week, I said, now some of these things, it's like, really? What is that? They get kind of far-fetched. That one's a cool one. But it's a little far-fetched at the same time. Because was he supposed to strike the rock? That's the question. He wasn't supposed to strike the rock, was he? He was supposed to speak to it. Yeah. Got mad. Have you guys ever read the statistics of how much water that was? It was millions of gallons of water to feed that, to drink, to give water to all those people every day. Millions and millions every day. Of gallons of water had to come out of that rock. Mem, mem, mem. Do you remember? I keep, I keep saying I'm not going to get into the the gematria of this stuff, the numbers and all that. Well, I'm not. I was going to show you. This is a really good example of of what I'm talking about. Why I'm not going to get into that. If you take the the word yod hey vav hey, which is God's name, yod hey. All right, vav hey. That, that yod is 10, and hayes are both 5. Vav is 6, remember? Right, so you've got 26. Our word today, or our letter, mem, remember in the Torah scrolls is a cough. What's the numerical, excuse me, value of that? 20. 20. With the vav in front of it, 6. six. So they, they link the two together. I was telling Rodney before, before everybody got here, I, that's why I don't get into that stuff because, I don't know, it seems to me like you could do that with a whole bunch of stuff. It's a slippery slope. And I know there's, I know there's stuff in there. I know there's a lot in there, <clears throat> way more than I'm getting out of it. But I know there's a bunch of stuff in there that ought not to be there too. So but anyway, that's a good example. That's God's name. The uh, Yahweh, that's Yahweh. Anytime in your Bible when it says Lord and it's all capital letters, yeah. that's the word that it is. That's, that's the word that, that's the word that anytime this word came up, it's so sacred that the, the scribes would, they would, that's when they would leave and they would uh, take a mikvah and change their clothes and so on and so forth before and after writing that word. Or Adonai, or Hashem. Have you heard Hashem? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem means the name, and it's talking about that name right there. Baruch Hashem is bless, blessed. Are you praise your name? Bless your name. 
But Hashem is the name. And that's the name we're talking about. So holy that we ought not to be saying is what some people say. That's where all the, a lot of the disagreements with Messianic denominational disagreements come from things like that. We're not supposed to speak the name because the sages didn't speak the name. Is the unpronounceable holy name of God. But David, David spoke the name. You know, David called it. Who, we're told whosoever called upon the name of the Lord was that his name. It is his name. So personally, I don't I mean, if they don't want to do that, they, they don't have to do that. But I don't see anything wrong with with calling on it. At the same time, I agree with the sages who say we need to be treating that thing with respect. Treat that name with the utmost respect, with fear and trembling. Yeah, Yahuwah, right. I told you how where Yahuwah came from, right? Why they say that? I didn't. <laughs> okay. Judah. Remember how to say Judah in Hebrew? Yehuda. And the way you do that is this. Now this is the unpronounceable name of God, according to the Orthodox, right? Well. This right here is how you spell Yehuda. You put a Dalit in there. Man, I just broke the impenetrable. It was locked up like Fort Knox and we just, we just deciphered the code. It's Yahua. If, if it was that easy, how, why would it be unpronounceable? So Jews for 3,000 years didn't realize that if they take the Dalit out, it's Yahuwah. See my problem with that? How hard is that? It's not too hard to decipher. Either it's the... We've been, I've always read that the, the name of God has been lost throughout the years. We don't know how to pronounce it at all anymore because it was so sacred that, that the common guy wouldn't pronounce it. And the, the priests and the Levites would, but everybody else wouldn't. So the pronunciation was lost. Well, if it's that easy and it's just a matter of taking that Dalit out from Yehuda to Yahuwah, maybe it is it, but I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Seems like somebody would have figured that out before. <laughs> this is cool, by the way. He said that through Judah, right, Messiah would come through Judah. He said David would always have a descendant that sat on that throne. So Dalit, what did Dalit represent? A door. Right in the midst of his name, he put a door. And through the tribe of Yehuda came our salvation. That's just awesome. All right, back to Mem. Now, we can say that that equals 26, and technically it does, if you put those two letters together. But we, we can also say it equals 40. So what does 40 represent? A lot of stuff, right? Jesus went into the into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, fasted. Uh, Moses went up on the mountain 40 days, 40 nights. The, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Where else do we see this? Where else? 40 years. 40 years. Learning to be a shepherd. Uh, where else do we see it? It shows up a bunch of places. Um, he goes up there for 40 days. I think he does that twice, doesn't he? Yeah, 40 days, 40 nights. There's a couple that I hadn't, I've never heard before. 40 weeks of gestation until birth for a human. Isn't that interesting? Man, in the, think about that. Just think about that in a, a spiritual way, if you would. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll think about it. Think about, so for that 40 day or 40, 40 uh, weeks or however long it is, you're in darkness and you're in the mother's womb and all, and then you see light and you breathe air. Um, it's like that time of trial, the 40, the 40 days. The, there's another one, the 40, the sages say that 40 years of age before a man develops true insight. I got it. <laughs> Just got it. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And then, of course, there's an oversized mem 
And it appears in Proverbs 1.1, which says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And it starts, I won't write all that out, but the very first letter there in Proverbs 1.1 is a big mem. Okay? The reason it's a big mem is because of that 40. Because the sages say, it says that uh, some of the scribal traditions tell us that it's large there because Solomon is said to have fasted 40 days and 40 nights before he started writing Proverbs. Of course, that's all tradition. But in order to emulate Moses as he prepared himself to, for open revelation of God, which makes sense, okay? Again, that's tradition. That's not in the Scripture. Okay, so let's recap our letters here so far. Hate, our yoke, where we stay close to the Lord, right? Equally yoked. Remember we talked about being equally yoked, but He is carrying the weight, right? Like an like a old seasoned ox, yoked with a young, ignorant ox. The two walk together, and the older teaches the younger. Eventually, the younger is going to pull his own weight. That's the, that's the goal with us. So Tate, we must learn to die to ourselves. Cough, good works laid out before us that we're supposed to walk in. I left, I left out. Yod, the hand of God in our lives. Kaf is uh, walking out in those good works laid before us. Lamed, the knowledge that we gain as we walk in his ways. Remember the city on the hill, the light shining. Mem is like water seeks the lowest level of humility. Water seeks, water always seeks the lowest level, right? And not only does it seek, which represents to the sages, would represent humility, but it also balances itself. If you go to a lake, it doesn't matter if you're on the north or the south side of that lake, they're the same level. There's a balance. So in our spiritual walk, as we go, we want to, we want to find balance, humility and balance in our walk. And that's, nobody can argue with that. Only one of us ever to walk the earth was so humble that he could say, I'm the most humble man on earth. You know who it was? Moses. So there is no, Moses was the most humble man on earth. And he's, he's writing that. But we want to be, be humble and find a balance. We're, what's happening right now in the Messianic world and the Hebrew roots world is that there is zero balance. You've got people saying that you have to pronounce a name a specific way or you just might not be saved. You've got people saying that if you don't do the Torah, you're not saved. You better be doing Torah. Or you're not saved. So it's always, instead, rather than the free grace, the gift of God, which is grace, there's always something added to it. It is grace, but, it is grace, but, who, we've talked about this since the beginning of all this mess, whose job is it to keep tabs on how well I'm doing Torah? It's my master, right? In a sense, there's, with that comes the disclaimer that if I see my brother sinning, I'm to call him out in, in love. But how I walk out the Torah is between me and God, correct? So if I'm not walking out Torah, if I'm not walking out these good deeds like I'm supposed to be walking them out, I need to get it right and start walking them out correctly, right? It's not my job to go out to every denomination of the Messianic world, which, by the way, are a hundred times more messed up than the ones in the regular Christian world. It's, man, you think it's bad in the regular Christian world. Step into the Messianic mess. You'll see why I think it's Daniel Lancaster called it messy antics. Because that's exactly what it is. It is ridiculous. Let's go to our passage in Psalm 119. Okay, we're going to start in 119, verse 97. We almost forgot we were in Psalm 119, didn't we? <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 97. And it's neat the way this plays out because... There's all these whys. Why? Because, and then it's answered. So there's something that's hidden. There's a question that's asked, and then it's revealed. There's a question asked, and then it's revealed. Remember, each of these verses starts with the letter Mem. And in each one of these verses, there, you actually see that. Remember we talked, remember I showed you the, the open and the closed, the, the hidden, and then the, the revealed, right, knowledge of God? We're going to see that in almost every verse of this. Uh, verse 97, oh, how I love your Torah. 
Man, before we go any further, why? Why does David love his Torah and meditate on it all day? Because it's God's instruction. That's the simple answer. He loves his instruction. Oh, how I love your Torah. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. <laughs> through your commandments, through your mitzvot. Listen to what it says there. Th- think about, the, think about the, how, how different things are viewed today. And just in, our, in America, in our daily lives. He's saying that through your commandments, through your mitzvot, in your Torah, they make me wiser than my enemies. I'm told by the, by the church in general that it's bondage. The guy on the radio said that I'm leading you guys into darkness because we've fallen from grace. We're because we're free from the law. But look at the look at the how polarized those two views are. How I love your Torah, it's my meditation all day. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Right? You know, there's a it, the book of Daniel says this is going to happen. Did you guys know that? <laughs> I think it's twelve two. It says that the righteous are going to walk in his. The, the righteous are going to walk in his Torah and the wicked aren't going to understand why. They're going to look at them and not understand why they're doing it. But the righteous will continue to walk in his Torah. We're, that's what's going on with this. People don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. And we're doing what we're doing because he's lifting that veil and allowing us to see it for what it is, that it's his instruction. So anyway, go back to uh, verse 98. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Why? For they are ever with me. He's meditating on them day and night. They're ever with him. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Ask the question, why? Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. I've got more understanding than my own teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. Verse 100, I understand more than the ancient people. Why? Because I keep your precepts. 101, I have restrained my feet from evil in every way. Why? That I might keep your word. Legalism. Yeah, I'm adding the the why there, right? That I might keep your word. I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. Man, to anybody that challenges you on whether or not you should be obeying Torah today, ask them if evil is still evil. Is the definition of evil, scripturally, still evil? Is the definition of an abomination still abominable? And the answer is yes. Is the, is the definition of righteousness still righteousness? Those definitions haven't changed. Has holy, is holy still holy? Verse 102, I have not departed from your judgments. Why? For you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And by every false way, he's talking about every way that goes against the commandments of God. He's talking about Deuteronomy 13. You know what I'm talking about? The dreamer, the prophet, or if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams comes... You guys know what I'm talking about? paraphrased he says if a prophet or a dreamer or dreams comes and it's God testing you to see whether or not you love him with your whole heart and if he leads you away from the commandments of God that prophet or dreamer or dreams is worthy of death okay that's any prophet from then till now if any prophet comes and leads you away from the commandments of God I don't see any, any two ways around that that's Deuteronomy 13, by the way. Uh, verse 4, Deuteronomy 13, 4 says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and, and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. 
because he's spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so that you shall put away the evil from your midst. So it comes down to how did he tell us to walk? How did he tell his people to walk? Um, anybody have any comments or questions about any of that? About men? <laughs> what do you got? Oh, the tutor. That tutor, if you if you do a word study on that word tutor, what you'll find is it's not a. The way it's viewed is God has, or the way it's viewed is that the Torah um, was there to teach us and to keep us until He came, and now we don't need it anymore. And it comes on an American modern version of the word tutor. In our version of the word tutor, I hire a tutor to teach my kid math skills. When he learns math, he doesn't need the tutor anymore, right? So what word are you talking about? Where it's, uh, it's Galatians 3.26, I believe. Here, let's go there. Because, again, it's, it all hinges on the context that Paul wrote it in, right? You guys there? He's considered to be so easy and so simple to understand, but there's Peter saying, "Man, he's, he's difficult, guys." Yeah, go back, go back to, uh, go back to verse nineteen, three nineteen. What purpose then does the law serve? Okay, it was well before I go any further. In Romans, Paul himself says, "So what is the law nullified then?" Remember that? He says, heaven forbid. No way. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for only one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. That's Galatians 3.21. Is the law then, because of that, is it against the promise of God? Meaning, meaning just that. Is it, is it against that promise of His coming seed? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been given by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin, right? We're all confined under sin. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But... Before faith came, we were kept under guard. There's the words right there. Under guard. That's like that closed mem we were talking about earlier. We're kept under guard until then. Okay? Um, by the law, we're kept under guard by the law, for the, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. The, uh, before, before he came, we've got the written word, right? The written law, the written Torah. This, to me, this all hinges on the definition of what a tutor is. And our definition is different from the definition Paul was talking about. Because back in that day, and it's, Josephus talks about it. Philo talks about it. And in that day, when it talks about a tutor, the tutor wasn't the guy doing the teaching on the side. The tutor's the, tutor's the one who safely brought the kid from his home to the class. So when it says that now he's come, it's because the class is dwelling inside of him. He doesn't need somebody taking him to the class anymore because the class lives in him. The Torah, he's... In the sense of the tutor that Paul's talking about, it's protecting him from point A to point B, right? Now point B lives in his heart. He doesn't need a tutor to, to get him from here to there because he dwells within us. It's that mystery again. Here's the mystery. Christ dwelling within us. That's the mystery. Does that make sense? So we don't, we know that it, 
we know that it doesn't mean that we don't need the law anymore because what he said back in verse 21, is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. Uh, three, 3.21. Oh, thank you. Yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah. Taking one, yeah, taking them without the tutor. They were a bodyguard. Romans 6, what was that, bud? Do you guys remember what the definition of sin is according to 1 John? Transgression of the law is sin. Therefore, it says sin is transgression of the law, breaking the law. Romans 6 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in his likeness of his death, Certainly, we also shall be in likeness of his resurrection. Which, by the way, if we're in his likeness, how many commandments did he break? Not a one of them. That's basic logic. Basic logic tells me that if I'm made in his likeness, I don't do the things that he didn't do. And I do do the things that he did do. So when it comes around time for Passover, I do it because I'm in his likeness. It's, it's basic logic. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Freed from what? Transgression of the law. Remember, go back to Tate. He who has died to himself is now bowing down to the, one with the crowned one with the sword of the Spirit and subservient to Him. Um, all right. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. And then go up to verse 15, 15, chapter 6, verse 15. What then shall we sin because we're no longer under law but under grace? Do we continue, do we continue to sin? Because we're no longer under the Torah, but we're under grace? Certainly not. Let's use our definitions. What then? Shall we continue to break the Torah because we're no longer under the Torah, but under grace? Mujinoto. I think it's what the Greek word is, isn't it? God forbid. Heaven forbid. Should we break the Torah because we're no longer under the Torah, but under grace? Of course not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves to whom you obey, whether of sin and death or of obedience to righteousness? Because the Torah is the prescription for righteousness. But God, be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms, because of the weakness of your flesh. He's talking to Gentiles, you guys. Over and over again, we see Paul talking to Gentiles, and he says, don't act like the Gentiles anymore. Hey, by the way, don't do what the Gentiles do. He says it in Ephesians, says it in Corinthians. Don't act like those people. But we're still those people. We're still Gentiles. Ruth is still called the Moabitess way after she's married to Boaz. But I got news for you. She didn't act like a Moabitess, did she? I'm still a Gentile, but I got news for you. As his disciple, I ought not to be acting like a Gentile. In fact, it says the exact opposite. It says, therefore, I ought to walk just as he walked. I challenge anybody. Oh, man. I challenge anybody. It doesn't matter if they're a famous Messianic musician 
or if they're a famous Torah teacher, to give me another example of how to walk like he walked without Torah. How does that work? How can I walk like him without obeying Torah? You can't. How can I be in his image and not obey Torah? I can't. I can be on my way. Remember, if that's the son, hopefully one day I'll look a little more like him and that day's tomorrow. And then the day after that, I hope I look a little more like him and a little more like him. So we're, we, are to be, we are to be walking in this stuff. We are obligated to walk an obedient life in Torah. And I I'll go before the whole world and say it. I believe that it's mandatory. You know why? Because it's his instruction. And Zedekiah, my instruction is mandatory for that boy. Just like it is for Noah. It's mandatory. Why? Because I love him. Does he have to obey it? He still has a choice. It's mandatory, but he doesn't necessarily have to obey it. But he's going to bless my socks off if he does, right? And I'm going to bless him if he does. So, I believe, and if he does not, he reaps the, he'll reap the consequences of not. But I believe that we are obligated to do it. We're obligated to keep it. Because, simply because it's his instruction. So, but at the same time, there's all these different qualifications. I believe that he has to reveal that to us, too. But Leslie's seen that recently. You have, to, you have to see it. He has to show it to you. And if he doesn't show it to you, there's no way you can make a person believe that. They have to get in and start digging. And then once you see it, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It doesn't work. You can't go back. All right, does anybody have any more questions? Let's pray real quick and we'll, we'll do that. Father God, we bless your name today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you do hide yourself from us sometimes. Lord, as weird as that sounds, because uh, your word says it's the glory of kings to seek that out. So I ask that you'd help each one of us to seek that out, to seek you with our whole hearts, Lord. You promise that we'll find you. Uh, so we love you today. Lord, I pray that tomorrow we'd all be a little bit more like you. Before we go to bed tonight, we'd be a little bit more like you. And when we wake up tomorrow, we'd be a little bit more like you. So we love you. We ask you for the, for the strength to do that and for the, uh, for the wherewithal to stand back up when we fall. So we love you and we pray all these things in the name of our salvation. Amen.